Uh, tonight we're going to be in Colossians uh, 3, 12 through 17. There is a lot here. Um, as I prepared, I realized like when I stepped back, I was like, wow, this is like theologically heavy. So, uh, so bear with me tonight. We're going to like dive into the deep end of some like major sweeping theology uh, in the Bible to talk about this transformation that Paul is calling us to from an old self to a new self, from an old community and an old way of life to a new community and a new way of life. And he paints this beautiful picture um, of what the kingdom of God is like. So I'm actually going to start in Mark. Uh, you don't have to turn there, just listen. Uh, I'm only going to read two verses, so not that big a deal. Mark 1, starting in verse 14, verses 14 and uh, 15. Uh, this this, happens, this uh, verse is right after uh, Jesus is baptized. This is like the beginning of his ministry in Mark. We're in Mark 1, verse 14. There are only 13 verses before this. It's like right at the beginning. So, after John was put in prison, John is who baptized him, uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Let me read it again. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. We talk about gospel and we talk about good news a lot, and in this section, Jesus' own words, by his own admission, the good news here is that the kingdom of God is near. Why is that good news? Um, what about the kingdom being near is good at all? And what about God's kingdom is actually that different from how we exist or how we live right now? That is a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. So um, I did this last week, sort of. This feels unsturdy. We'll trust. Um, I did this last week. I, I asked you to like talk amongst yourselves. I want to do it again this week. Um, I, I think everyone has this vision. We're going to talk about utopia a little bit um, because utopia is this really fascinating thing. I'm fascinated by the sort of like idealistic versions of the world that people come up with. And tons of people come up with these visions of the world that they think would be perfect. So I want you to talk to your friend or whoever you're next to, maybe they're not a friend, maybe they're a stranger, about what you think a perfect world would look like. So, ready, go. I don't think you sound. You sound kind of different. I don't know. Do you think it could be when you dropped it? Could have been. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> good. Actually, <laughs> okay, 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 come back. Come back to me. Come back. I don't know if everyone got a uh, 
an opportunity to pitch their version of a perfect world. Uh, but the reality is, like, we all have a vision of how we want the world to be. Uh, utopia is a word that we use to describe that. And often we think about utopia, like utopian visions as like the, the ultimate version of this type of idealism. It's, in fact, uh, we, we actually, I, I think there's like a negative connotation a little bit with utopia. Almost that it's like unrealistic and that it's unattainable or that it's unreachable. But the reality is we all have some version of like a utopian vision for the world in our minds. That's kind of what you just talked to someone next to you about. Like that's your utopian vision. It, that's what the perfect world would be like for you. Um, utopian visions is not, these are not something that's foreign or alien to the Bible. Uh, so let's, I, I, this is actually like the big picture uh, theological vision that I wanna, I wanna paint for you. Um, that the Bible is actually promoting utopia and like a utopian vision for humanity uh, and, it, and there's a, like a movement and a sweep from the beginning of the Bible to the end that communicates this hope uh, in the garden in Genesis the garden of Eden is a utopia there is this like perfect world inside this garden uh, where humanity exists in relationship with God the problem is humanity messes it up and so God uh, in his infinite patience and in his glory and in his love for his creation, he creates new ways. So uh, as we like map through scripture, this new way would be Israel. So uh, his people now for uh, centuries are either wandering around or they, uh, they become enslaved um, after he calls Abraham to be a particular people for him. Uh, and they're enslaved. And when they leave Egypt, when God delivers them from Egypt, he promises them a land. That would be the promised land. And he talks about it with this utopian idea that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? There's this like perfect land over here, this promised land that is for you and it is ours. And I will dwell with you and you will rule this land uh, and bless the nations from it. So that is like this, this vision that God gives Israel moving into the promised land. If you know the story of the Bible, Israel doesn't do well. Uh, eventually, they actually get exiled from that land. And this is like, a, like the exile plays this massive role in this utopian vision that like now this promised land that was flowing with milk and honey has been uh, marred by the sins of the people who are there uh, and they're actually removed forcibly from it. So uh, then we, we sort of move into the New Testament, uh, and the Apostle John in Revelation has this vision for a new utopia. Um, this is uh, the new Jerusalem. This is the new heavens and the new earth. This is what God believes is going to, or not what God believes, this is what we believe God is going to do uh, for humanity for eternity. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's streets paved with gold and it's like these gates with pearls and all these beautiful stones. There's like this utopian ideal uh, that God is dwelling in the midst of his people. Um, he's there in the center and he's shining his light um, to it that we don't actually need uh, the sun anymore or the moon anymore because his glory is so radiant. It's, he's painting this vision for utopia. Um, the good news about this vision, so every utopia in the Bible or not, so the garden and Israel or any sort of like 
cult or like a commune that has existed has largely failed uh, because of the sins of people. The beauty in this final vision of a utopia um, is that Christ rules it. Uh, Christ is the king. Christ is Lord over this, his kingdom. Uh, this is what uh, his kingdom is, and that's why it's good news. No matter what, we actually can't mess it up. And there's, some, there's a ton, actually, like a lot of freedom uh, embedded in this idea that this is going to happen, and this is the direction that God is taking humanity, whether we like it or not. Um, and it is perfect, and we can't mess it up because he is Lord over it. So, uh, why am I, why might I be talking about utopia um, and this like grand vision um, of God's kingdom on earth? There's something like humans have written about these visions of the world, uh, these hopes for the world uh, for millennia. And embedded in all of these stories is a dissatisfaction about the way the world is. Um, there is uh, pain, and there is hurt, and there is frustration, and there is strife, and there is division, uh, there is loneliness, uh, there is anxiety, there is depression, there is the weight of the pressures that are put on you by the world to succeed or to perform. All of these things are present, and people cast these visions for different uh, ideas about what a perfect world would look like, and almost all of them all of those things are absent. Uh, like, I, I would be shocked if any of you, when you were talking to one another, were like, the perfect world is one that everyone has a ton of anxiety and everyone is frustrated with everyone. Like, nobody casts that vision because that's not a perfect vision of what humanity is. So, what does this have to do with Colossians and a new self? Uh, I'm going to read the passage that we're in again. Uh, we're starting in Colossians uh, two, or sorry, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dig into this particular text. Uh, so uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive what grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing uh, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have an opportunity to dig into your word, um, to reflect on what a perfect community could look like. Um, I pray that you give us the courage to actually taste that uh, by embodying some of these characteristics to those around us. I pray that uh, each of us um, are on the receiving end of this as well, on the receiving end of someone's kindness and gentleness and patience, and that in that we see your love for us. Um, we see your vision for humanity, uh, your vision 
uh, for humanity's future, uh, dwelling alongside you, God. We thank you for your word and uh, for your encouragement, and I pray that uh, we engage it tonight uh, with wisdom. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I want to take this passage uh, in two sections, I guess, but the second section has two parts. I don't know. Um, so we're going to look at uh, uh, 12 through 14 first, and then we're going to look at 15 through 17. Uh, 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul is who wrote this letter to a, a church and to a community, and he's talking about this vision of transformation. Uh, we talked about this last year, that like in this transformation, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we take off some of the things that cause division and cause strife uh, and cause frustration in our lives. And then in this section, he's calling us to put on things, and he's calling us to put on these positive things. So he's calling us to put on uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then he's calling us to bear one another's burdens. Uh, he's calling us to forgive, uh, and he's calling us to love above all of those things. Um, I think love uh, for Paul and for Jesus encompasses um, all of this, plus a ton more. So as we think through like each of these things, I want us to know that our attitude is one that should be marked and embodied by love, by love of others, um, by love of the stranger, by love of people in our community, um, that we invite them into our lives, and that we invite them uh, warts and all into our lives, that we take uh, the pain that someone else is feeling uh, and we enter into it with them. So I think what, what Paul is doing, and I, I think what God is doing in this particular section, uh, if we don't break apart each one of those things, he's actually casting a vision for what his kingdom looks like. Uh, this is why it's good news. I said this at the beginning. Uh, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, hear this good news. Repent and believe. Why is it good news? Because it looks like this. Uh, this is beautiful. Uh, in the midst of a, a, a day, actually, where there's a ton of emotions on this campus, uh, there's a ton of emotions, uh, I mean, that run all the way from uh, apathy um, to uh, mourning and grieving and uh, anxiety, depression, distraughtness, everything. Uh, whatever you're feeling now, we can benefit from this. I think all of us I think it's true. I, I mean, I'd be shocked if someone said it wasn't. Uh, all of us could benefit from someone being and extending a little more kindness, being a little more gentle with us, being a little more patient. Uh, and the truth is all of us uh, could do those things a little better as well. Uh, I know that it's true for me. And I think, I, I don't know, um, like today was a, I don't know, it was a, a, a wild day on this campus where um, emotions are running wild. Um, and something like this is challenging. Um, a lot of people are hurting um, right now on this campus. A lot of people feel a lot of pressure from school. Um, they feel affected by uh, the death of a classmate. Um, I don't know, anxiety is at an all-time high. We talked about this last week, that like social media um, and individualism um, sort of create this cocktail of anxiety and depression where we never quite feel like we're living uh, up to how our culture wants us to. Uh, and this is the vision that he gives us. Uh, this is the kingdom that he wants us to experience. And it's not just a kingdom that we experience later. Uh, 
This is a kingdom that we get to taste now. Uh, and that's the beautiful part of this, that because of Christ, uh, because of what he did, and by the power of his spirit, we actually get to participate in what his kingdom will be like for eternity right now. I think we miss that a ton. Like, we read something like this, and we think, yeah, it's good to be kind, it's good to be gentle, it's good to be more patient. This is how his people, how citizens of his kingdom, are going to interact with one another for all eternity. Uh, When we read the Lord's Prayer, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, this is what he's talking about. This is the posture uh, that we're supposed to adopt. And this is a challenging text. Um, So I I think, big picture, we we can receive uh, some grace uh, from other people extending these kinds of attitudes towards us, and we can all... uh, give someone a taste of what that looks like by extending, by, by uh, a, a taste of what God's ultimate vision for humanity is by extending it a little bit to others, right? So uh, big picture that I think is, is kind of the, the first part. The second part that I want to talk about um, is the peace uh, part. This is uh, verse 15, uh, and we're going to actually hang out in verse 15 for a while. So let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since members of one body, you were called to peace. Peace is an interesting word. Um, probably when I read that, um, there were two main interpretations of this verse. Um, some of you thought of peace as like this calming presence. And some of you thought of peace as like lacking division among other people. Um, and I think actually we're on pretty good grounds um, to believe that Paul is actually talking about both of these things. So the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Uh, the peace of Christ, this is um, how. <laughs> how do we do that? How do you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? And what does that even mean? What does it look like that the peace of Christ rules in your heart? Uh, there's, a, there's this abstractness to a phrase like this that sounds really good, uh, but then when we dig into it, you're kind of like, well, it sounds great to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart, but I have no idea what that looks like or how that works. So, Um, I think for one, the biggest thing that we need to think about is that you're not alone. So as we think about uh, the calming presence of someone else, the calming presence of Christ in our lives, um, that's the peace, okay? So uh, Christ's presence promises us that we're not alone. Immediately what we want, and this is what actually I think most people want, this is what the... um, the Israelites wanted when Jesus came to them. Uh, they wanted this. They wanted Jesus to remove all of the difficulties uh, in their lives. And Jesus instead surprises everyone and kind of uh, I don't know. It's like a, a misdirection thing. He's like the brilliant magician that like uh, usurps all of our expectations and gives us something better. Uh, there's something amazing about uh, his vision. Um, that actually we talk about um, each week when we do the benediction. Uh, The benediction is um, in Ephesians uh, that says, uh, what does it say? It says, uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Um, He's able to do 
immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Um, so, like the perfect visions of humanity that you've talked about earlier, he's promising something greater than all of those. Um, immeasurably more. Immeasurably greater than anything that we could imagine. Um, it's, it is mind-boggling. We can't imagine it by the text's own admission. We can't imagine it. Um, so, uh, when we think about Christ's presence um, with us, there is a calming peace uh, that comes in his presence. Not, of us, not all of us feel close to God at any given moment. Uh, and so, what I want to encourage us to tonight is that what Paul is actually saying is that often we feel the peace of Christ uh, through other people. Um, he's giving us a vision for a community, not just for your own personal transformation and your own personal edification that you are a more compassionate person and that you're a kinder person. Uh, there's a goal behind that, uh, which is to bolster a community uh, that is colored by his character, um, that operates and acts as this uh, vision for what his final vision looks like. So, so we have these opportunities in pockets of community um, to actually illuminate um, what God wants for his people uh, because he loves us. Um, he doesn't want the pain and the anxiety and the pressure. Uh, he doesn't want us to exist in that. But instead of removing it, uh, which is kind of this, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's shallow a little bit, actually. Like, we, we want to not hurt, um, and so we want him to just take it away. Um, but taking it away actually doesn't draw us into any sort of relationship with anyone. Um, it's a simple solution to a really complex problem. And what Jesus gives us, what God gives us is Jesus, which is a complex answer to a complex problem. And so what Jesus does actually is enters into the world with us, uh, into the broken world, uh, it, through the incarnation, as an infant. And then in our lives, he enters into the pain with us and joins us there and bears our burdens alongside us. There's the peace. The peace is that we're not alone in our pain. Um, and he encourages, like the perfect vision of his humanity is that no one is alone. That no one is alone as they deal with these difficult things. Um, he encourages us to be compassionate and to be patient and to be gentle and to bear one another's burdens and to forgive one another and above all, to love one another. He's calling us to be together in the midst of pain uh, and when we do that, uh, we're promoting the peace of Christ. Uh, like you have the opportunity in any moment to actually be the peace of Christ for someone else, which is miraculous. Like he, that is what he has invited us into. Um, Abby, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what, I had not heard Abby's um, testimony. Um, Abby's testimony is the perfect illustration uh, for tonight's talk. Um, her family has been surrounded by a community um, that has shown the light of Christ to her family, that has shown love, uh, that has pointed her uh, to, that, uh, to Christ. And in her gratitude, uh, she points others to Christ. Um, she uh, acknowledges and affirms uh, the peace of Christ in them um, and by her own response to them. Um, there's something... I mean, any community that's colored by that 
um, is going to be a community that we want to be a part of. So the question is, why aren't we? Uh, we all want something like that. Um, but for some reason, we, we don't do it. Um, and that is what Paul's challenging us. We have to throw off um, the selfishness. And we have to throw off the self-centeredness. Um, and we have to put others there. And we have to lift them up. And we have to enter into the pain and the hurt with them. The other way that we might have read this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, um, is this idea that there is no sort of uh, strife and division and frustration in those communities. It's really hard to imagine what kind of strife and what kind of frustration and what kind of division actually comes out of a community that, is, that embodies kindness and gentleness and patience and forgiveness. Like, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know, I, I can't imagine what type of frustrations people have in that community. Um, it eliminates it. Uh, and, it, like, we got a little taste of that at the end of last week's passage um, that says, um, here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Uh, that he has done away with the old divisions, um, and he's calling us to a new type of unity um, that is seen in him, um, that his peace, that what he provides for our communities, um, for churches, and for, for pockets of Christians who are doing life and living life together, is a peace that any sort of division sort of becomes moot. Uh, it becomes a point that actually doesn't create division. It's like a surface level division uh, because you have this deeper unity um, that supersedes it. Uh, this is ultimately um, sort of the vision uh, that Christ is, is casting. So on a, um, I, I've, I've mentioned and it's been mentioned here tonight, so on a, on a day where um, there's a lot of hurt, uh, the challenge that a text like this brings um, is that we actually need to join together. Um, that we need to bear one another's burdens, um, that we need to walk alongside one another um, in our pain, um, and that if you're not feeling pain, then you can bear even more. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a high responsibility. Uh, the thing is, we all will experience pain and hurt and grief at some point in our lives. And though you may not be feeling that now, you have an opportunity uh, to be the peace of Christ for someone and then... When you do experience it, uh, the hope is that someone is the peace of Christ to you in those moments, right? So uh, in, a, in, a, in a community that embodies these characteristics, um, this love, um, it goes both ways. And so however you're feeling tonight, um, know that you're not alone. Uh, I can't speak for everyone in here, um, but I do know uh, that people on staff here at the house uh, and many student leaders are ready to step into some of the pain that you're feeling. Um, I can definitely say that about myself. So if you need people to talk to in the midst of this, in the midst of midterms, and in the midst of uh, a tragedy on campus, and in the midst of everything else that is going on in your life with your families or with friendships um, or with boyfriends or girlfriends, uh, with schoolwork, like all of it, um, we're ready to actually enter into that with you and to help you recognize that you're not alone. And so each week, 
we have people um, in the back who will pray for you. Um, that's going to be there tonight as well. If you need prayer, um, if you feel alone, if you feel like you don't want to be a burden on someone else, uh, that's actually what we're called to do, uh, is to bear one another's burdens. Uh, and so I encourage you actually to, to give it up a little bit, um, to be vulnerable, um, to free yourself from that burden, and recognize that Jesus, uh, Jesus strengthens us in that. When we share one another's burdens, um, that he is there. Uh, we do that by the power of his spirit. Uh, we don't do that alone. Um, we do that because he is there with us, uh, walking alongside us um, as we walk shoulder to shoulder um, with one another, uh, helping one another. Um, another, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't know, I, I don't want to plug things that we do too terribly much, but there are some things going on in October at the house. Um, we've got men's and women's retreats, and we have a fall break retreat. That if you feel alone right now, and you just don't want to be alone over fall break, or you don't want to be alone over Halloween weekend, um, then don't. Um, join in this community and, and um, find some people um, on those trips. Um, you, don't, you don't have to be alone. Uh, which is uh, what we hope this community can be and is for you. Um, last week, we closed in a time of prayer and then silent reflection. Uh, I want to do the same tonight. Um, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then we're going to enter into about a minute, uh, maybe two of silence. It probably feels like a long time. I promise it's no longer than two minutes. Um, but I want you during this time of reflection um, to kind of identify where you are um, spiritually, emotionally, and uh, submit those things to Christ. Um, have people in your mind that if you are um, at your wit's end, that you know that you could call, um, that you trust would bear your burdens. Um, I want you to think about, I'm giving you a lot of instructions, any of these things work, just latch onto one of them, I don't know. Um, uh, I want you to think about where or who you could be a little more kinder to. Um, who in your sphere, who in your community could you step into uh, bearing some burdens of theirs? Uh, it's a sacrifice. Uh, it, it is a sacrifice. I don't know how else to say it. Um, you sacrifice your time uh, when you do that. And um, it's a generous thing to offer yourself um, to just be present uh, with someone. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have a time of silent reflection. Um, any and all of those things that I mentioned, you can think about. Um, but uh, And there's prayer in the back. Uh, there will be people in the back during the worship set as well um, and after the house. So um, feel at any point, um, grab, grab someone on staff, I believe Matt is back there. Katie will be back there. Gabby will be back there. I think Franklin was planning to be back there. Um, there are a lot of people who can pray for you here tonight. Um, so, uh, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that you call us um, to a vision of humanity that is greater than anything we can imagine. Um, we thank you that we actually get to participate in your eternal community um, uh, by embodying some of these characteristics um, right now, that we are citizens um, of your kingdom uh, here 
right now, uh, that we uh, feel the courage to live into that, um, that we have the wisdom um, to know who we need to step into relationship with, um, who might be hurting, and if we're the ones hurting, um, that we know um, who we can look to. Uh, And if you feel like there's no one um, to look to, God, I pray that um, I pray that those folks would, uh, would find one of us here uh, and trust that we're willing uh, and that we're able to do that uh, and that we want to do that, God. Um, we thank you that you love us, um, that you've given us a vision, um, I don't know, a perfect vision for how communities can exist uh, apart from any type of division, um, any type of heartache, um, that, that in your kingdom finally... Uh, there will be no more tears. Um, and we thank you that, um, yeah, we thank you for uh, your son's work on the cross uh, that makes this possible, uh, that he's gone before us and that he is Lord over all um, and that his utopia can't fail uh, no matter how we think we might mess it up. Uh, we love you, we thank you, um, and help us in this time of reflection um, to uh, focus on you, um, to know who we can be kinder to um, or where we might need help. It's in your son's name. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen.